Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast. I am hosting today. My name is Will Gottlieb and you can find me on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. I'm joined by my buddy down under Mark K at MK Hoops on Twitter and our producer Joey Spathis pressing the buttons behind the scenes. Mark, it is a Thursday morning for you, I believe. How are you feeling? Are you ready for the second part? I'm not going to say half because it's only 27 more games. Are, this, are you ready for the second part? Of the NBA season, the final third, William, uh, the final or thereabouts, third. whatever twenty-seven over eighty-two is, or in the Bulls' case, potentially eighty-three or maybe eighty-four. Let's see how the playing goes. But um, yeah, thrilled to be here. Can't wait to get through the final twenty-seven slash twenty-eight slash twenty-nine games of the season. Well, I was really ready to. I had a nice break. Took some time off. Didn't really check Twitter too much. Got to do some skiing, which was very fun, and I'm happy about it. Uh, and I was ready to come into this week just focused on these 27 games, not worrying about what's beyond that, not worrying about what happened in the past. But as I was putting together our rundown for today's show, I read Darnell Mayberry's mailbag at The Athletic, and it opened with a brief anecdote that I just felt like we had to touch on here because, well, it kind of irked me. And... You know, I really wanted to get through a whole episode without doing this whole thing, but I'm going to read it and we're going to talk about it. So here we go. Okay. Uh, Darnell opens his mailbag and please go check this out at The Athletic. You can find it uh, on his Twitter account, Darnell, Darnell Mayberry. Uh, he writes that he had a casual conversation with a high ranking Chicago Bulls executive shortly after the trade deadline. And he says, we didn't agree on the direction of the franchise. The Bulls did pat at the deadline for the third straight season. They did nothing despite substantial evidence that their injury-plagued roster isn't close to contending at a high level and likely won't be anytime soon. My point of contention with the front office uh, was that the front office punted on a pass offered happily by the team's fan base, a rebuild. Quote, your fans, the executive countered. Initially, I didn't get it. I don't have fans. People read me at The Athletic and follow me on social media, mostly because they're Bulls fans. I thought the exec was trying to be snarky it felt like an attempt to downplay our subscriber and passionate followers on the team uh, of the team on social media. But the comment wasn't made to downplay anyone. It was delivered to emphasize the difference. The Bulls fans the executive was referring to are paying customers. My fans, in quotes, by and large, are segments that fill the United Center on cold Chicago winter nights. That exchange, albeit brief, provided tremendous insight into the minds that make up the Chicago Bulls management and mark. Yeah, I mean, this is all kind of what we had been talking around. Um, not surprising to hear it, but it is something to hear it. And um, yeah, it's just the idea that as much as this team, this front office group came into their tenure with goals of you know competing for championships, now they have lowered the bar to making the playoffs and then lowered the bar again to making the play-in. And now they just want to be competitive and that's just how it's going to be. What do you, what do you say? Air it out, my I've, friend. I have many things I want to say. I don't know if I want to say certain things. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things I want to say. Um, some of them I'll keep on the shelf. Uh, but I guess the prevailing thought, William, is just why do we continue to do this? And I don't understand why I can't disconnect, let's say. And like, that's what irrational people would be doing. A rational person would do in this situation. But fandom is weird. Loyalty is a weird thing. Uh, disconnecting, breaking away from something that is obviously so toxic and dumb is difficult to do. And that's kind of how I feel about the Chicago Bulls right now. Um, I have a lot of resent for them, which bothers me. I don't have resent towards the players or the coaches, or the people who go in there day-to-day, you know, in the United Center, trying to actually make the product on the court better. But I don't feel that's what ownership is doing. I don't think they have an objective to do so. I don't think management certainly don't have that objective because that objective isn't set by ownership itself. So why would management try to strive for something like that? So I, I, I sit here today and I just, I'm just i just been wondering all morning, more morning my time since reading the Darnell piece, digesting it all, wondering about a lot of things. Like, why am I bothering with this? And the more I think about it, William, my connection to the Bulls isn't so much about the Bulls. It's about 
everything else that the balls connect me to, which is you, which is Matt and Dave, which is our listeners, which is all the friends that I've made over the last 20 to 25 years who have brought me to those people because of our shared passion of the Chicago Bulls and what fandom is because of that. But to be fair, like the Bulls are testing me now and I don't know if I have much more in me um, and I don't know if I really care to continue doing this, to be honest with you. And it bothers me. Like I said, I have a lot of resent that the Bulls have pushed me to this. But at the same time, like I have to question at this point, like why am I continuing to do this? Like why am I continuing to give myself to this team, to this franchise who seemingly does not really care as Darnell's piece alludes to? Uh, There are diehard, diehard fans out there that are super loyal or from all over the globe, not just Chicago, from everywhere that are so loyal to this franchise. And Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf and Arturis Karnaschovas and Matt and his management team do not deserve the fan base that Chicago Bulls receive. And that bothers me. And like I said, I've got a lot of thoughts. Some of them will remain on the shelf for the moment because I haven't fully digested them or fully compressed them or gone over them in my own mind. Um, but it's, I mean, we already sort of inherently knew this was the case. Like we can read between the lines of what has been said or what, or maybe more, more importantly, what hasn't been said. We all can see what their actions truly reflect and what they truly mean. But yeah, I just, I just don't know what to do anymore, William. Like I, I don't see the point of this anymore. Um, this is a, a one-story franchise on a number of levels is falling over right now. I mean, we're talking about the Darnell piece, but another thing that came out today in, in the Chicago media sphere was, you know, Michael Jordan going to some hockey dude's guy's jersey retirement. I, I don't follow hockey, so this guy means nothing to me. But the fact that Michael Jordan is attending the United Center for that and not for the whole Ring of Honor thing, uh, there's so much division between those dynasty year teams I mean, Scotty is in Australia right now with Horace and Luke Longley. They're doing a speaking tour around Australia called the No Bullshit Tour, where they'll be probably talking about those dynasty years, airing their grievances around what that all meant. So on every level, like this franchise is seemingly broken right now. And maybe I'm being overly dramatic. Maybe I'm just in a a bad place with this team more generally. So maybe people who are listening to this and you know feel like they should be telling me to shut the fuck up which i can appreciate too maybe i'm in a dark place with this with this bulls team and maybe i'll snap out of it by tomorrow come um come the game against boston if if they were able to pull out a w maybe my mood will flippantly switch to something a little bit differently but that is fandom i suppose that's what fandom does to one but at the moment like if you're asking me truly how i feel about it i I'm probably at the lowest point that I've ever been as a Bulls fan. And I don't know if I want to continue doing this, to be honest. No, I, I really appreciate the candor. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And rightfully so. Um, you know, for the organization to, I mean, basically they operate from the standpoint of, we know that we're going to have diehard fans that are never going to tune out, that are going to be there through and through. It doesn't matter if we suck. It doesn't matter if we're competing for championships. Those people are going to be, riding with us. And so you don't necessarily have to like cater to their wishes as a front office or as an ownership group, because they're going to be around anyway. And so really what they're doing is trying to sell the casual fan on this team. And again, I don't think that's like an inherently wrong thing. Like people always say that I'm a hater online, that I don't like this team, that I don't like the players, whatever it may be. Like that could not be further from the truth. Like this, obviously I've chosen this career path, but like their, their, you know, direction, their quality of play, the, the status of their team affects my livelihood. More people are interested in a team. That's good. More people tune in to learn more about the game when the team is playing well. And so rebuilds are not fun, like for anyone. Um, I think sometimes that they are, I don't know about necessary, but it's it's one of the ways that you can go about changing direction and building with young players towards the future. And obviously, this front office group is not willing to do that. And I think this po- this most recent trade deadline has made that like has written it in stone. It's just not going to happen. And for a lot of people that feel the way that you feel, it's like 
I mean, it's just such a big part of your life that is totally out of your control and it's unfair. And, uh, unfortunately, like that's just the way it is. Um, it's, it's just kind of a, a shitty season. It's a shitty stretch that the bulls are having. Um, I do feel like I'm coming into the second part of the season with some more optimism. Not that I'm like deleting myself into believing in AK's non-plan, but um, you know, there, there are positives to look forward to. And I think that starts and probably ends with the play of Kobe white. Um, and we'll talk about that more, but it just is a really rough position to do. And I think part of what's crazy about it is that like, they're kind of trying to do what's never been done before, which is really build through the lower middle class without having any assets to build with. They refuse to sell players, which means they're not going to get those assets. And so when you don't have assets when you don't have you know more than one young player who can really be you know beyond an all-star i mean maybe kobe can get to that point maybe he gets beyond that point but it just they're not really in a position where they can sit back and say this thing is going to take us into the future they have to at some point be an active participant as brian windhorse likes to say in their own rescue and they just haven't been and especially now with you know, a couple of weeks removed from the deadline, a third trade deadline where they haven't done anything. Um, and, and moreover, I think the the way that they expressed, that AK in particular expressed uh, like happiness or complacency with where they are, it's, it's really defeating. And um, I think you're totally right. I'm really glad that we have this community of people who are tuning in on a Wednesday night at 6.45 Central Time to talk about a team that has yet to play its first game back from all-star break, um, that there are people all over the world that tune in to watch this team. It is a really special fan base. It's a special um, group of people that care about this team the way that they do. And, and we're really fortunate to be a part of that, but it's really a shame that the front office and the ownership group in particular don't, um, don't make moves to, help cater to that that fan base that is really one of the strongest in the entire world of sports. Yeah, and that's that's the disappointing thing because I feel like this could be so much more than what it already is. And what it already is, I mean, it's been built off the back of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen in those dynasty years. I'm not sure there's an owner in sports who has failed upwards in the same degree that Jerry Reinsdorf has. That man owes... Michael Jordan, a, an untold amount of money. The billions that he owes that man uh, is just, uh, yeah, I mean, one cannot com- compute or even start to quantify what what that all means. But towards this fan base, like I, I guess that's the part that I just don't understand. Like, You get so much by doing so little that I understand the impotence to do nothing for them because if they can just sit there and do nothing and cash out the way they do, then I get it. Like why why push yourself to be something more when you don't need to? Why why pay the tax to do whatever you want to do when we can rake in millions of dollars of revenue just being what we are? Like I get it from a business standpoint, but same at the same time, like and, and maybe they just, they just don't think like this. Maybe they don't care to think like this. But I, I I do think this is a sleeping giant of sorts, which is weird to say given that this is a a team that has won six titles. But it's not, it's not been a franchise that has been really relevant over the last 20 to 25 years. And it's disappointing because you referenced the loyalty that this uh, fan base does give this team. And, you know, thinking about it on a personal level, like the amount of hours that I've consumed watching this team and pouring into this team, for it to be, for so little to be given back, I suppose, like that's the disappointment. And at some point, there will be a breaking point. There's a breaking point for everyone. I don't know. I mean, for each different person, you know, that that differs, obviously. Like I said before, I'm getting closer to that point for myself for a number of different reasons. And it just might just be the the point I am at my life now where I've got a soon-to-be three-year-old son. I've got a daughter arriving in April. Like, why am I doing all this, I guess, is the point. Like, why am I giving so much of me to something that is not giving me much in return? So, again, maybe I'm just being a doomer about it. Maybe people will laugh listening to this. Maybe people will just say, well, why the hell can't you just give it up? Just move on, go do something else with your life. But to your point, like, it's hard. It's hard to give up something that has been so much of who you have been, so much of your identity. Um, You don't want to give it up, but 
if this is the kind of like nonsense that we are going to be consistently given, I I don't know, man. I, I don't know. So you yeah, you've caught me at a raw time. Let's say maybe uh, at, at an emotive time. Maybe maybe had we recording this, you know, yet uh, tomorrow or at a time where I was more in a rational state of mind, maybe my feeling would be a little bit different. Um, but these are my true thoughts at this point in time. Well, we appreciate it. Jordan Bell in the comments appreciates it. Mark K, please stay. We love you. I could not echo that sentiment anymore. Um, also, just like the sheer amount of hate that has been going your way on Twitter is probably not helping either. I don't really understand why people get so frustrated uh, and directed at you, but uh, that's another I don't topic. know. That's <laughs> another topic. Uh, let's transition into uh, a look ahead to the post All-Star break. Um I think we can maybe spend some time focusing on Kobe and the bio market and things that need to go right for this team moving forward. I wrote a piece about it today at the website, allchgo.com, looking at seven of the biggest storylines and questions facing the Bulls for these final 27 games. But first, Mark, can you maybe crack one open for yourself and then tell our friends about Coors Light? Well, I'm going to need a beer after that initial... uh first segment there William and what better way to do so than getting my hands on a beautiful cold refreshing cause light beer um, you know whether you're stressing about your basketball team or things in general whatever it might be when things are feeling chaotic the one constant for you is our friends at cause light who are just going to give you that moment to chill out with a beer in hand take the stress off and just relax so maybe I need to get on a beer maybe I should have had a cause light sitting right next to me I actually went to uh, the bottle last night, William, and uh, picked up some some cores, and I can't wait to share one later it's today. Five o'clock somewhere, but it is not five o'clock where you are. <laughs> no, it is eleven fifty one a.m. But also, it is freaking hot here today. It is so hot. I think it's going to be thirty eight degrees, which is like a hundred and something in your language. So the point being, this is prime prime beer drinking weather folks so uh i will be drinking a cause light so i can't wait to do so and if you want to uh, obviously join into that wherever you are across the world as we said as we said before bulls fans all over the place the good thing about that william is cause light also happens to be all over the place all over the world so get your hand on it when it's time to chill cause light is the beer so i reach for everyone else should be doing so, the same as well so if you head to causelight.com uh, slash chgo basketball you can get your hands on all of that too. So obviously celebrate responsibly, friends. Cause Brewing Company. We appreciate them being our sponsor here and uh, I can't wait to down one. Oh, yeah. And that's right. After you've gotten your case of Coors shipped directly to your house with Instacart, you can wait a couple hours, maybe a day or two and sober up and then head over to Ray Chevrolet because they are sharing their best offers all month long at the Auto Show sales event make your way to Ray Chevrolet on Route 12 and Fox Lake to join in on the savings. As one of the top-selling Chevy dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop at one of Chicagoland's largest Chevy inventories. Plus, you can find perfect tailgate vehicle at Ray Chevy because they're offering 0% financing for 72 months on new Silverados with over 100 available. And to top it all off, they're pricing over 125 vehicles under $20,000. Seriously, guys, you cannot get more affordable pricing. And guess what? We know everyone loves the word free, and that's what you'll get at Ray Chevy in Fox Lake, a free oil change. All you need to do is mention CHGO when scheduling your oil change, start off the new year right, and schedule it by February 29th. That's eight days away. We have the correct ad read with the correct dates on this one. Uh, so visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com. They've been serving the community since 1963. Ray Chevrolet, find new roads. All right, Mark, let's uh, drive into the second half of the year here by talking about Kobe White, who really is saving Arturis's ass. He's also just been the one shining thing about this season. Uh, where He's putting together uh, an MIP stretch here. Um, and I think we kind of touched on this the other day, but like this Cavs game, the final game of the regular season, I know, or of the regular season, of the first um pre-all-star i keep on wanting to say half because it's the easiest thing to say but it's really yeah. just the pre-all-star people, people know what i mean but they also get mad if i say it so i'm trying not to but i might it might slip uh but he was the driving force in that final game uh offensively in the clutch and i felt like that was kind of a important moment for him in his career um and maybe just like the bulls in kind of their short term 
of, you know, can he be the guy that starts to take over as the franchise player? Obviously, DeMar DeRozan is the most important player in the franchise. We can talk more about him. But uh, Kobe is certainly making a run towards becoming that franchise player. And whether he is the best player on a title team or not, he's clearly uh, the best, you know, future player that they have on the team at the moment. And, you know, what's kind of your take on just the way that he has evolved, maybe looking kind of having this time to take a step back and look at his first part of the season on the whole, and then thinking, you know, how can he build on this? How can he take that forward? And and what are those next steps in his development? Yeah, look, I've got many thoughts on Kobe. I I guess, you know, holistically, I think if who and I was about to say who Kobe projects to be, and I think that's the first thing that we should note that who he projects to be now is very different to, or my thoughts on who he projects to be now is very different to what I thought maybe he could be at the start of this season. Um, it is very clear to me right now that Kobe White has an all-star level uh, potential. I think he has the potential to be, you know, a second or third guy on a real team that matters. I don't know how I feel about Kobe White being your best player or your franchise player. And I don't want that to influence the conversation. But I also don't want to put any limitations on that projection of what I think Kobe can or can't be because maybe he can be more than a second or third best player on a a team that matters. But the point being is exactly what you said before. Kobe has saved this full season. I, again, maybe when I'm in a dark place, as I seemingly am right now with this uh, this, uh, Bulls team, I kind of go to a place where what, what does this season look like if Kobe doesn't break out the way he has? Like, what does this all mean? And Maybe you can mount an argument that in some respects it would be better because the Bulls wouldn't be in this situation where they'd be trying to endlessly do the medi- mediocrity thing. But at the same time, like that's, again, a dark place that I don't want to go toward. So Kobe deserves all the credit for what he has done, uh, the way he has grown this season, the way he's taken his game to a level and has pro- helped propel and keep the Bulls to this middling level without... Zach, without Lonzo, without Pat for much of the season, with DeMar taking a half step back, with Vooch having the season that he's been having. There's been a lot of forces, I guess, working against the Bulls and trying to bring the Bulls down, uh, much of which is you know sitting in ownership and management. But even on the playing, on, on the court, there's been some factors that have sort of impacted this team. But what Kobe's been able to do and the way he's been able to level things to the point where They've been able to maintain who they have been for the last three to four years. As maddening as that can sound, like that really speaks to Kobe's development and the way he's sort of grown over these last 50 or so games. Uh, and uh, it's not even 50 or so games. It's like being 30 or so games because he started this season poorly. But the way he's been able to mentally recover from that and grow the way he has and taken every opportunity, it has been refreshing to see. He has saved this season in many respects. So what I'm most excited to see about Kobe is like, how he evolves now that he will be on scouting reports. Like if if what we saw against the Cavs becomes more of what is to come in the sense that Kobe is now going to be the closer, maybe not all the time, but potentially sometimes, how does he react to that? Like how does he grow from that? And to be honest with you, William, like I think, I think that Cavs game, even in that loss was maybe the most, I wouldn't say the most exciting thing, but maybe the most encouraging thing that I've seen all season. Not only from Kobe, but the way DeMar was working with Kobe in that situation, the way Billy enabled Kobe in that situation. I said this on last time we spoke, but I really, I think we should be imploring more or celebrating more the work of the players and the coaches, because I think they're trying to do everything they can to make this team as good as possible. And I thought that particular moment whereby Kobe got that last shot where DeMar was so deferral in that moment, but also post-game where they were huddled around that iPad or whatever they were doing, going over possessions, going over play, going over that specific play and and, and the way Kobe was communicating that thereafter. It was just like, that was probably the most encouraging part of the season to me. Uh, the, the fact that the playing group and the coaching group seemingly is all aligned, like that, that stuff is nice to see. So I, uh, I thank Kobe for what he has done this season thus far because... Like I said before, it would be a miserable existence to to think about where this team would be without this level of Kobe right now. He is giving the fan base a level of hope that maybe didn't exist two months ago. I think that that moment 
I know it was like a missed shot in a close game that they ultimately lost, but like that moment to me was a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Damar has really been the guy who gets the last shot, whether it was earlier parts of this year, last year, the year before, like Zach was not really getting those shots. It was always Damar. And obviously they needed a three in that situation. Kobe was the best shooter on the floor and, and uh, you know, he was playing really well on the whole um, had just made a, another clutch three uh, in one of the final four possessions to keep this game. I think at that point to, to retie the game. Um, but to me, that was like the first moment where it wasn't just about now. And obviously it was about now because he took the shot in that game and they tried to win it and obviously didn't. But like, to me, this whole like narrative of, and it even said at this, at that press conference, like DeMar is the closer and that narrative around him being the guy at some point is not going to exist forever. And um, I think it's not just like, I know how to do this. I am a closer. I can take those last shots. I think that th that is a skill that you have to learn and hone. And so to me, that moment was like the first step towards Kobe becoming that and, and the bulls kind of shifting more towards him. It's obviously not going to happen overnight. He's not going to be the guy that gets all those close, you know, shots and clutch moments, but to, to have that moment, I think was a really big deal for him. Uh, and I think it's a really big deal for his development. So I do feel like that's a real positive sign. Obviously there have been other players that have really stepped up and we can talk about some of them, but um, you know, basically my read on the kind of first part of this conversation that we're having about the plan is that the bulls are going to try to build to the next thing on the fly. And really what that means is there's no plan right now. And so they're going to just keep trying to, you know, exist and exist and be competitive on the way. And then when something comes up, maybe they'll try to be opportunistic and take that chance. And in order for you to have a bridge to that, to that next point in time, you need to have a player who can take you there. And I think Kobe has really established himself as the bridge from this era, this generation of the bulls into the next one, whatever that ends up looking like. Um, and we've seen in the comments, a lot of love for Dale and Terry from Von S. I love Dale and Terry, man, Tori Craig injury can allow him minutes. Um, Chase and Ashland saying Dale and Terry, uh, they had a comment about Dale and Terry. See if I can find it here. Um, oh, that was a, a negative one. one. <laughs> uh, there it is Vaughn, uh, Dale and Terry. Uh, so yeah, I just, I feel like these things in a lot of teams, you like draft a 22 year old or a 20 year old Luka Doncic and he becomes the franchise player. And then it's all about Luka and how can you put players around Luka? Same thing for like, you know, Cade Cunningham or any of these like top guys. But that, that isn't how it always works. And I think Kobe uh, evolving in his fifth season, coming to be this caliber of player at this point in his career, I think is it's just interesting. And I think that the Bulls, it's going to be a slower burn, but I think that's kind of the hope for the franchise. And whether that works or not, who knows? But um, at, at the very least, like we know that they have faith in that. And, um, you know, Io, I think is another one, like for me, his ability to shoot the ball over the last 17 games 53% from deep, 39 of 73 overall. He is taking 4.3 three-point attempts per game, up from 2.6, which is his career average. The volume, the consistency, the accuracy, the confidence has all really stood out on top of the fact that he's playing great defense. He continues to be a menace in transition. Um, and I think you're starting to see the ball in his hands a little bit more. So like that backcourt, I, I don't know that that's like a title contending backcourt, but I like the way they complement each other. I think they... Um, they just play off of each other really well where both can kind of handle the ball and, and facilitate a little bit. Io uh, stepping up as a shooter. Kobe can play off the ball. Kobe can play on the ball and Io can attack closeouts. He's really worked on that. So Io's development as a real, I think, threatening type of role player is another real reason for optimism for this team um, as they kind of look towards bridging the future. Yeah, Io's shown a lot. Kobe has obviously shown a lot. And to that point that you just made there about can they be, you know, a contending level backcourt, I don't think in there by themselves they can be. But next to that right wing scorer type, that lead guy, I think they can be. And that is a reason for optimism. And, you know, I've made this comparison in the past, but it was maybe not complete in the sense that, I was wondering, you know, if Io and Pat and Kobe could be the perfect complements to Franz Wagner and, and Paolo, uh, you know, Paolo Bancaro level stars. I, I was making that comparison when 
Kobe hadn't broken out to the level he has. But I guess that comparison still holds true in the sense, or that hypothetical still holds true, because if Kobe could be like that second or third guy next to someone like a Paolo or Franz, and then you have IOB, your fourth best starter, and you know Pat being there as your fifth best starter or something like that, like you can see how that comes together into being a real team and a team where, or, uh, where that backcourt could be quite fearsome and deadly next to the right pieces. Now, the Bulls' issue is that they don't have their Paolo, they don't have their France to put next to Kobe, and like that's the challenge going forward. And what I'm fearful of is how do they how do they get that type of talent to put next to someone like Kobe? I'm fearful of this becoming a Zach Levine 2.0 situation in the sense where the Bulls are asking too much of guys, they're putting guys in the wrong roles, and eventually because of that, they're, they're miscast and misplayed and all that sort of thing, and I don't want to do that again. So I, I see scope where Kobe and I could be a really, really good and fun backcourt next to the right pieces. But the, the next step, I suppose, is finding that next piece, which hopefully that comes in the 2024 draft. Maybe they get lucky there and find their Paolo or Franz in that draft. But like I do now, I am convinced in some respects that Kobe and Io, as a backcourt, the way they've grown this season can be a foundation. You, it's not the only thing you need. You need more. You need to keep building. You need to find that premier guy. But I think I do. I do think there is a foundation there now. I guess, which is not something I thought. Like I said, maybe three or four months ago. So again, the players need deserve credit. The coaches deserve credit. They are they are doing the thing. They are trying their best to get better. I don't think the organization more generally is rewarding them or following suit to the same manner or to the same degree. But I can't fault what Kobe and Io have done this season. Um, and even to a lesser extent, Pat, Julian, Dalen, like even those guys have taken steps, smaller steps to be fair, but I think they have, have have taken steps throughout the season. So the younger players are doing what they needed to do. Um, they've grown. They've shown some things. I think the I older players are doing what they need to do too. And yeah, Fish says you can't bridge to the future if you refuse to look, uh, acknowledge the bridge. Like I, not to be like too pro AK here, but like, I think that's kind of the point of keeping DeMar around. Like John saying Kobe is going to turn into Zach 2.0. That's why you keep DeMar around so that he doesn't have to be Zach 2.0 so that he has a guy who can set him up and create offense and not, and, and collapse the defense so that he's not the one that has to do that every single time down. I think if you put Kobe in that situation, then maybe he starts to learn bad habits, but now he's gradually gaining more experience, gradually learning more skills and tricks to be able to create offense while playing off of those guys. And again, this is not to excuse or um, agree with the way that the front office has approached things. Cause I don't, but I think that's kind of their hope is that they can continue to develop guys like Kobe guys, like IO Patrick, if, and when he's able to come back, we talk about injuries here in a second. Um, Dalen, Julian, whoever they end up drafting this year, like that's a core that if they're kind of built around the right pieces can be something, you know, if Damar was eight years younger, Maybe this is a completely different conversation and it probably is, but it's not. And so you kind of have to, you said this before the trade deadline uh, that like, unless they can figure out a solution for what happens when you lose tomorrow, then you shouldn't trade tomorrow. And I think that's true. I, I don't think just trading him for a second round pick is worth it because of how that compromises the growth that we've seen from some of these younger players. And so, um, yeah. yes, you are in a position now where if you don't trade tomorrow, you're likely not going to be able to be bad enough to get one of those players in the draft, but you've got to figure out a way to get some of those players. I'm not sure that the front office right now has a way to do that or a plan to do that or the creativity to figure out a plan to do that, but that has to be the plan. And, and, you know, we have seen this front office group be opportunistic at times, um, you know, figuring out a way to make the DeMar thing work in the first place when that was really not a part of the plan, I think is a good example. And, you know, AK pointed to that in his press conference, I think it's true, but it's also like, okay, but well you got to keep building. You got to do something else in the meantime. That was three years ago and it doesn't really help you now because the team has changed so much since then. Um, not in the sense of roster movement, but just in the sense of where things are headed, who's playing well, who's not involved, who's injured and things like that. So um, again, at some point they are going to have to make changes. Just it's a fact because if they want to bring everybody back next year, they're going to have to make some space in order to do so. That's mm -hmm. going to require trading Zach, which I'm not ready to talk about right now. I think we can spend more time on that later um, or clearing Lonzo's money off the books, which uh, might be the easiest solution. 
but they're going to have to do something. And when they do, maybe new players come in, maybe guys, you know, get lucky in the draft, who knows. But again, it's just this super slow and impatient, uh, or I'm sorry, very patient approach that, um, you know, may or may not end up leading somewhere. But you do have, I think, the right young player who's learning the right way, who's developing the right way, who's benefiting from the veterans around him to be able to hopefully get to that point. And whether you agree with it or not, like that's the vision. And I think there is some merit to it. I do think there is some merit to it. There is. And again, just to, to, to ram home on another point, like I, I really do think the players deserve a ton of credit and starting with the young guys and, and you know, following on what you, following on what you just said there, like the fact that Kobe is so introspective and is so willing to learn is so humble. The same can be said uh, for Io too. There's no ego anywhere. These are the kind of guys that I want to support. These are the kind of players that you want to see good things happen to. And the same thing is true of guys like Damar and Vooch. Um, the fact that they're willing to share and learn or share their learnings, share their experiences, play with these guys, enable these guys. Uh, and, and it was most illuminating in that uh, Cleveland game. Like I love Damar DeRozan for a lot, a lot of different reasons. Uh, but I love DeMar DeRozan, the person. And I th- we saw that at the end of game moment. Like the fact that he's willing to take the time. I mean, we've seen this throughout all, all of DeMar's tenure in Chicago. Like we go back to his first season and when he was going out to Io's jersey retirement and taking time out of his schedule, his day to be there for those younger guys. We've seen his connection to Pat and Dalen. We've seen he- we're seeing his connection now with Kobe on the court, the way they're playing on the court, the way they're, trying to develop off the court like i mentioned before that that piece around uh in that cleveland game where they were breaking down film together afterwards it wasn't in an adversarial way it was a learning thing they were trying to get better in that real moment together like that's why i really love and appreciate who demar is but even on the court like you noted like he still plays an important role to this team even if Maybe some people are prepared to overlook that fact. And I think he's really important for guys like Io and Kobe because in that moment, again, let's point to that Cavs game. DeMar still has the ability to draw two and will continue to do so so long as he can get to his spot and be efficient in isolation, which he still is. Uh, Kobe hit a a huge three in the closing moments of that Cavs game because DeMar draw two. In In that game where Kobe got that last three, the Bulls had DeMar in that action where he drew a primary assignment and his diversion or his, uh, you know, his, him being on the court, like it still draws defenses. It still opens things up for guys like Kobe. So if you take that away and you don't fill that with something else, then that's where Kobe and I's development will be impacted, which is why they need to find their next Demar. And until they find their next Demar, and then I understand this impetus to keep Demar around for a number of different reasons for keeping, for what he does on and off the court. And I'm not uh, against this idea of keeping DeMar next season because I think he still has a lot of value to this team. Now, obviously, it needs to be at the right price and all those sorts of things. But unless, if you can't find a DeMar replacement, then we shouldn't be so prepared to just jetting him off somewhere else because I think that could be problematic in so many different ways, particularly for guys like Kobe and Io. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is people should be... Uh, it, it might be one of those situations where you don't know what it's what you've lost kind of thing until it's truly gone. And I think DeMar has a lot of value to what this team does. And I appreciate what he's doing for Kobe and I. And like I said, I'm biased. I'm a DeMar lover, all that stuff. Uh, but I thought last last game that we saw the Bulls play, there was no more illuminating game than where you could see that value. No, I totally agree. You had a good uh, Twitter thread about it maybe yesterday or two days ago. Um, just talking about how like this team and like the front office and the direction that they've chosen – is so much different than like saying that need to trade players is not to criticize those players or to say that we don't like those players. Um, It's just a criticism of the direction of the group. And yeah, I think the, I mean, DeMar is like an all-time great bull crazy enough as it is in two and a half years. Like he really is an all-time great bull. And uh, I think he really does have a positive impact on some of these younger guys. I think you maybe be able to like, if you got a really good offer for him, Maybe you're able to get away with uh, Vucevic being the guy that can really, you know, draw to and and help those guys develop. Maybe not, but I think 
for the way that things are trending, like you said, at the right number, at the right amount of years, as long as it doesn't impact finding other ways to eventually bring in another star. Um, I, I don't see a problem that, but if you're talking about replacements, what they're going to need to find a replacement for is a power forward right now, because Patrick Williams remains out. He had, um, some issues ramping up from his foot issue, his foot edema. Um, the Bulls don't seem super concerned about this longer term, but I am starting to get some concern about it. I mean, anytime you have a setback, anytime uh, this sort of thing lingers, like it can lead to a fracture. It can be really serious and it can take a long time to mend. So, I mean, I think there's a possibility. I'm not sure it's a likely likeliest outcome, but like there's a possibility he doesn't play for the rest of the year. Obviously, Tory Craig yesterday was announced to be out for two to four weeks. So the Bulls basically do not have a true power forward. Uh, Caruso is going to be that guy. Tomorrow's going to have to slide up. They're going to have to play the two big lineup. Um, they're going to have to look at the buyout market. We've talked about this before, but right now the team is $1.7 million away from luxury tax, $8.7 million from the hard cap, which obviously you would have to exceed the luxury tax to get there. We don't expect the Bulls to do that, but that is technically their hard cap at the first apron just because they used half of the mid-level exception. Um, and so they have an open roster spot. They could sign with the veterans minimum, but they also have the remaining mid-level exception, which is about 6.2 million, the biannual exception, which is about 4.5, and the disabled player exception, which is 10.2 that they got from the Lonzo Ball um, disabled player exception, and that expires on March 11th, so about 20 days here for them to be able to use that. But they do have a roster spot open. They do have some space to be able to get a guy and they really need some size and they really need some shooting and they really need some size with shooting. So we'll see. That'll be kind of another benchmark. My guess is that they're kind of waiting to see if Evan Fournier gets bought out from Detroit. Whether or not that happens, we will not know for until it happens. But um, at a certain point, they're going to need to just bite the bullet and decide to pay someone to come in because, I mean, Zach's been out, Patrick and, and Tori now both out. The, the roster is just so thin. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is an example where I don't think management ownership are enabling the group. And like I said before, I think the players and, and coaches are trying to do everything they possibly can. But at some point, like, you only have so many warm bodies that can actually fill these roster spots. I mean, this is, what, 14 guaranteed contracts on this roster. It's really 13 in the sense of who's really available because we know Lonzo had, was never going to be available this season. Take, take Zach off as well because... He's not coming back this season. You mentioned your concerns about Patrick, those of which I share. Assuming he can't come back this season, you're down to 11 guys. And on top of that, now now Tory Craig is out at least two to four weeks. There's six weeks to go in this season, something like that, five to six weeks. At some point, like this team is just going to run out of players. Uh, it's it's not the easiest schedule coming up. I think I think it's on ownership and management to sort of give this team someone that could come in and help the rotation a little bit. Like it's it's not right that Kobe and DeMar are leading the league in minutes. I understand why they are and why the Bulls are needing them to do that, to, to play so many minutes. I understand why Billy is needing them to play so many minutes because if he doesn't, they're going to lose games. And the mandate right now is to win games. So the coach is asking the players a lot, uh, a lot, you know, having to deliver a lot. And, uh, you know, I understand that. It's unfair, but it is what it is. So I would like to see someone come in to support this team. Now, I'm not expecting that someone to be coming in and playing 25 to 30 minutes, but can they spell Kobe for a five-minute period? Can DeMar take a game off because maybe you're you're playing this guy, uh, whoever it may be, whether it's a Fournier or someone else, um, filling in for a game on a back-to-back or whatever the situation may be? Like, I think they need to do that because this rotation is already really thin. They need to add to this roster. But obviously, uh, in the back of it all, is the whole tax thing that Bulls potentially could skirt under the tax, assuming Kobe doesn't hit his incentives if they were to sign a vet min guy. But we don't know what the the full uh, context of that is. So, yeah, I, I don't know how this all plays out, but I think th- th- this group needs support, I guess is the point. They didn't get it at the trade deadline. They need some some um, some help in terms of the rotation. That rotation is already tested because of the, the Tory Craig news now. So the Bulls really need to add, but will they? I guess that's the question. Yeah, and even Damar at practice today said that they kind of need some bodies and he'll be going through layup lines and kind of realize, wow, this team is is pretty thin right now. And um, I have reported this, but uh, there is pretty much no way that, I, I don't want to like say with 100% certainty, but 99.9% uh, 
that uh, Kobe's incentives will not impact the Bulls' ability to bring in somebody on the prorated veterans minimum for the rest of the year. That's like 650K, something like that at this point, which goes down every day um, to the to the end of the year. So they should be able to do that. Um, they may have space beyond that to like really compete. That, I think, it gets a little bit more dicey, although I, I don't think that Kobe's incentives are going to be um, impacting the the front office's ability to bring in somebody this year if they decide to do that. Um, but let's maybe talk more about the rest of the way after another quick break from our sponsors. Yes, let's do that, William. But first, uh, I want to tell everyone about Empire Today. With Empire Today, William, you get to shop at home convenience. You get to do all that. You get all the right products for all your needs. Uh, you get quick and professional installation, and you get the lowest price guaranteed. So Empire is your one-stop flooring shop. They want to provide the best and most efficient service to you. It's not only the most affordable but you will have the best experience when you're working with our friends at Empire. That is the best place to get your hands on some new flooring. So, of course, because they are the best, and this is the case with anyone, there will be copycats, but don't be fooled, friends. No one can match Empire in terms of quality, service, speed, any of it. Uh, your competitors, the competitors out there will say that they can give you better pricing or better products, all that sort of stuff. But uh, that's not true. They're lying. They're lying to you. We're definitely, we would never lie to you. Empire would never lie to you. Uh, Empire won't promise you the lowest prices, but they will pro promise you the best product, the best quality, all that sort of stuff. So whatever you want to put into your home, what flooring you want to pull, pull in there, whatever you want to lay down, whatever you want your feet to walk on, Empire is the best place to go because they have the best quality. Uh, even better, you've got a, a virtual floor designer where you can walk in into the store or go online, whatever it might be, and you can map out what your home might look like with this new with your new flooring in the space that you want to put or lay down some floors there. So uh, the options are all there. Uh, if you want to schedule a free in-home estimate today, uh, you can do so via us here. All listeners can receive $350 off in terms of a discount when they use promo code CHGO. So if you head to empiretoday.com forward slash CHGO, you can get more details on that. There are restrictions, but if you're in the market for some new floors, then may I suggest our friends at Empire Today who are the best in the biz. And with that $350 savings, maybe you want to deposit that money into prize picks because that is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS it's not just you, it's against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than one, more than or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's the easiest way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. The basketball season is here, so you can pick a combo projection across maybe football or baseball is coming up with basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different teams or leagues. For example, you could do DeMar DeRozan plus DJ Moore at over 10.5 combos of three-pointers made and receptions. You could do something similar with Nico Horner hits or um, you know any kind of combination like that that you want. They offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay even uh, stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. If you have players who exit the game in the first half and does not return, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. And it's really simple to play, guys. You can make your picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. And with quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com slash CHGO. And use code CHGO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CHGO with code CHGO, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Mark, we're talking about projections now. Let's talk about the Bulls projection because they have quite a difficult stretch here to close out the year. Um, Positive Residual, which is a great website that posts a bunch of schedule-related stats, has the Bulls at the 13th hardest remaining strength of schedule with a average win percentage of opponents at 509. Uh, and the Bulls are 9-24 against 500 or better teams this year. Um, 
you know, obviously we've talked a lot about like wiping away the first half of the season, like or the first 20 games of the season, like who is really the true test. And I think this game against the Celtics coming up tomorrow is an interesting one because that was really rock bottom. But um, I posted some stats the other day just about how this team is performing uh, as the season on the whole and then comparing that to their first uh, when you exclude those first 19 games. So their win pace without those first 19 games is uh, approximately a 41 win season um, where their overall win percentage is a 39 win season. Um, if you include point differentials, their point differential, excluding the 14, uh, five and 14 start, they're on pace for like a 44 and a half win season, but on the whole 36 and a half uh, ESPN BPI projects them for 38 wins. Basketball reference projects them for 38 wins. Um, and since their 5-14 stretch, they have been playing a lot better. As I mentioned, that really kind of boosts their win projections. But they're plus 1.3 in point differential, which is 15th. 19th in offense, 11th in defense. Um, do you expect this, Mark, to be the team that finishes out the season? Or do you think that they are at risk of sort of regressing, regressing back to what we saw? Not, probably, maybe not that bad, but closer to what we saw for those first 19 games. Yeah, I think... Uh, look, I, I had a, not to, uh, I mean, you're sharing your tweets and not, not to suggest that people should go look at my tweets either. Um, but I made a, like a prediction of over the final 30 games and I didn't paint a pretty picture, not because I don't think the team is good enough or that the, the opposition is so good that they can't win these games. But what I factored into it was what we just spoke about before in the sense that the roster has been asked to do a lot. Kobe and DeMar have to, have to do a lot of heavy lifting and if there's no reinforcements coming, which we know aren't coming via trade, and if nothing happens on the buyout market, and now with Pat and Tory missing time or continuing to miss time, like I just do think at some point it's going to catch up with this team. Um, so I'm factoring that into the, into my own calculus. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the team proves me wrong. But I do think at, like that will be the reason why they fall back a little bit. I think had they had more options or more depth, that there's more scope for this to be a continued winning experience. Like over the last 36 games, whatever it might be, like the Bulls are six games over 500. Uh, it's really that first 19 games that has done the team in and that can't be ignored. It won't be ignored. Obviously, it's going to impact the win-loss record. But I just, I just kind of feel like if there was one or two more pieces on this team right now, that they could be able to maintain what they're currently doing and maybe work, work their ward or work their way back to that 500 level. But see, they seemingly get stuck on being two to three games under 500, and I don't think that's going to change. And like I said before, I think something's going to catch up with them at some point because Billy's asking these guys a lot right now. And he's needing to because, again, the, the depth just isn't where it needs to be. So I don't know if they can get back to 41 wins. I think they're probably going to be hovering around that 36 to 38 range. And not because they're not good enough or they they don't have the ability to necessarily get back to that level. But I just think at some point, like the toll will start wearing on these guys. And uh, yeah, the, the, the load that they're playing is going to catch up with them. So I'm expecting somewhere in that sort of 36 to 38 range, win range that probably is still good enough to be ninth or 10th in the East, which is maybe all the Bulls really care about in the end. Um, so I'm not sure it dramatically changes the scope of the season, but I'm not sure if they continue winning at the rate that they have been just because, again, like I said, I think at some point it's going to catch up with them. Yeah, that, that's kind of my fear as well. And, you know, th this final stretch is going to be difficult. Obviously, they are playing a lot better and like for whatever it's worth, like they are competing. And I don't think that should be what their aspirations are is to compete and like win or lose close games. But, you know, especially after the all-star game, the way that the discourse around that is like, these guys just show up and don't care. It's layup lines. Like there is something to be said for this team coming in and playing hard every night. And so you do credit them there, even though that should not be enough uh, because it's not right now. They're 26 and 29. They are four games behind the magic who are in eighth, um, eighth seed, seven seed, six seed, all within a half game of each other. So, in theory, they're only four and a half games away from uh, that six seed. But the idea of like rising into the top six, Basketball Reference has a um, projection model that says that they have a 0.1% chance to make the top six, a 9.3% chance to miss the play-in altogether, and everything else is some combination of the play-in. So 61% chance to stay where they are, 23.5% to fall to 10, 19.9% chance at 
uh, 19.9% chance at the eighth seed and 2.4% chance at the seventh seed. Like this stretch that they played 21 and 15, you, you do have to credit them for the way that they played, but I, I agree. It's like, it's a little too, little too late because of the way that they started the season. So um, with that in mind, Mark, I just want to spend this last 10 or so minutes here, five, five or so minutes here, just talking about like what defines success and failure for you within the parameters of what we have this season. I mean, we could talk about failure being not making any trades or not being able to get off Zach, whatever that may be, but just for the, the final 27 games here from a basketball perspective, what are you thinking about in terms of success and failure? Yeah, I don't want to be absolute about this um, because I think what success is for AK isn't necessarily what success looks like for Billy or success looks like for Kobe and, and the players, etc. So I think it needs to be dismantled a little bit um, because for AK and Jerry, being ninth or 10th would be a success to them. But for us as fans, that's not a success for us more generally about the Chicago Bulls. Having said that, given the way, and this again, I think I've been saying all podcast, I, I think the players and, and coaches deserve a lot of credit for what they've been doing within the constraints that they've been you know, having to operate this season. So for this playing group, I think if they can maintain where they are, if they can get in the plane and win some playing games, whilst the franchise itself would deem that a success and whilst we as fans would maybe revolt against that more generally, that, that they're so willing or so uh, happy to accept that as a successful season. Um, and whilst I push back against that for ownership and for management, I would think that would be a success for the players and coaches based on how this season started. Things could have easily folded after that 5-14 and 14 start. But the players didn't give in. The players kept things going. And for the, like I said before, the last 36 games have been really good. Maybe really good is a bit too strong, but have been good. Uh, six games over 500 through that stretch. Positive point differential. Positive net rating. Top 10 in defense. Top 20 in offense. I think they're 19th on offense. So I've liked what I've seen from the players and coaches. Again, understanding the limitations of the group. Understanding the limitations that have been applied on them. So if the playing group themselves and if that's driven by the younger guys can get to that ninth seed or stay in that ninth seed, maybe win that 9-10 matchup, go into the 7-8 matchup or whoever loses that game and either win that or you know have a competitive loss, let's say, then I think the players and coaches deserve credit for what they've made this season to be. Having said that, we should be good enough to be able to discern or separate these ideas that whilst that might be good enough for the players and coaches and they deserve credit for what they've done to get to that point, that credit also shouldn't there be for applied to ownership and management. From that standpoint, from an ownership point of view, from a management standpoint, this sort of season has been a failure for them in particular, for what their goals were, for what they've been trying to, to you know morph this team into. We talked about it last week about how the goalposts have changed or they've been moved, have moved, been moved backwards. Uh, in doing so, this season from that standpoint is a failure for them. It's not necessarily a failure for Kobe White or Ayo Desumu or DeMar DeRozan or Billy Donovan or those guys or Peter Patton, whoever you want to talk about from a playing or coaching point of view. I think those people within the organization have done what they've needed to do. It's the others that have failed them. So that's a long rant there. I, I think they're... I think we should be good enough to suggest that there, there are characters or people within this franchise that deserve praise and deserve to have some level of success. But I don't think that uh, should be, uh, what's the name? I don't think that should be a, a shared success. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And what you kind of alluded to, I think, is where I really fall on it, which is like who's driving the rest of the season. And mm -hmm. before the season started, we did a season preview column with Matt and Dave and I wrote mm -hmm. that success this year would be defined by getting to the second round and competing in a second round playoff series. And I think that's still partially true. But the reason why I said that was because at that time, like the driving force of the team was going to be Zach Tamar and Vooch. Mm -hmm. And we knew that that core was not, was not good enough, had a negative net rating, had never really succeeded at, at anything like close to a high level, let alone, you know, making the playoffs more than once. And so in order for them to really be successful, they would have to break through that ceiling of getting out of the first round. And to me, like the regular season obviously matters, but the playoffs are really what tells you who you are. And 
when you miss the playoffs altogether, you really have a good idea of what you are. So to me, like, and I think this, again, I go back to this last couple of plays against that Cavs team. Um, like I would much rather see the team not succeed at a high level, but Kobe and Io and Patrick, if he's able to come back and Julian and Dalen taking steps forward and kind of driving them falling short of the play-in or falling short of the playoffs, uh, as opposed to DeMar being like, all right, guys, get in the backseat and strap up because I've got this thing and I'm going to take you all the way to a first-round sweep against the Celtics. Um, so I think how it happens is is almost more important than what actually yeah. happens. Yeah. And to me, like that's been the real saving grace of the season. When they were 5-14, and 14, they lost that Celtics game. I wrote a column that said, like, the wins and losses don't matter anymore. The season's already lost. And the way that Kobe and Io in particular have stepped forward and developed and become clear building blocks of the future, I think has changed that. And so for me, success would be having those guys play well in whatever postseason games happen. Um, I think mm -hmm. failing to make the play in would be a failure. I think failing to make the playoffs would be, you know, I don't want to say a failure because I don't really expect this team to get that far um, for, from the team standpoint. And I do think it's important to kind of distinguish between the front office and the actual basketball team. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, like for the front office, getting to the first round of the playoffs is progress based on where they were last year. And it's progress in the sense that they, you know, stepped forward and had younger guys start to take the reins. But if they lose in four games or get swept, that's not progress. It's just back to square one, uh, which is where they were two and a half years ago when they lost to the Bucks in the first round. So to me, like I need to see progress and that will really define success and failure. And we've already started to see that. And so it's about how do you carry that forward into these playing games? I think missing the plan uh, would be a failure. And I think it would be, just a disaster for AK, but um, I don't necessarily think there's anything at this point that can, you know, let's say they, they happen to get into the playoffs. Like, like I said, 0.1% chance of them getting to succeed. That's really just not going to happen. So mm -hmm. if you end up climbing anywhere, it's going to be to from eight to nine or from nine to eight, rather you then get a chance to play the second seed. Like, I think that would be pretty successful based on the way that the, the team is playing, but getting even two wins in the play in just to lose to the Celtics. I, I really am not, not looking forward to that. No. And look, that was well put. Um, and my final say on it is, and you know, thinking about it when you were talking about it just then, like it's, it's process over results for me. Uh, and that's generally the way I more generally operate, I suppose. Um, but if like the bulls losing, the playing game and finishing ninth when it's DeMar, Zach and Vooch doing compared to a team led by Kobe and Io and maybe a bit of DeMar cameos in there as well. Like that context is very different to me. So even though the result is the same, the way you go about it, as you noted, can feel very different and can get, leave you feeling very different from that standpoint. But again, process over results. I think if the ball's losing the plane, but it's driven by Kobe, we see some real growth from Kobe and Io, as we've already seen, but that continues into the plane. Um, even if it's a loss from that point point of view, I still think that you can find success or silver linings within that. But again, from an ownership or a management standpoint, losing in the plane or not even getting really out of the plane for them, based on what their goals are, that should be a loss from that standpoint or, or not deemed a success. So um, I guess I'm, I'm what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm, I appreciate what the players and coaches are doing. I don't think any ire should be aimed toward them. And if anyone has any uh, any ill will towards the franchise or any resentment, as we sort of shared towards uh, at the top of the podcast, like that shouldn't be aimed at the players or coaches. I don't think we should be leveling that frustration to them. I understand the frustration. I have it myself, but I don't think... I don't think it's on the players or coaches in this instance, at least from what I've seen over the last 36 games. I think they're trying to do their thing. I think what they've done over the last 36 games, which is a huge chunk of the season, that in itself is, has been a success. And any, failing, any failings thereafter or around that, it's not on them, it's on others. So that's just generally how I feel about it right now. No, I think that's very well said and probably a great place to wrap it up. Hopefully this was uh, cathartic for you and... A uh, good chance to air it out a little bit. I know some of our, our comments are the same. We really appreciate everyone who's tuning in. Make sure you hit the like for us on the way out. We appreciate it. Uh, subscribe and 
do all that fun stuff on YouTube and wherever you can find your podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, the guys and I, it's a home game tomorrow, so I'll be at the United Center, but uh, Matt and Dave will be back with pre and post for tomorrow's game against the Celtics as they kick off the final 27-game stretch. So look out for that before the game tomorrow night. Mark, always great talking with you, Joey. We appreciate you pressing the buttons for us. Follow Mark at MK Hoops on Twitter. I'm at Will underscore Gottlieb. Joey's at Joey underscore Joey Spathis. No underscore. Maybe I shouldn't have uh, told people where to follow you if I don't actually know. Joey Spathis. I think it's at Joey Spathis. We'll go with that. And of course, we are at CHGO underscore Bulls. Follow us on socials. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for for tuning in and hanging out with us in the comments. We really appreciate it. So until then, we will talk to you all next time. We all city like the mayor. 